You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Hey guys, good morning. My name is Pastor Ryan. I serve as the lead pastor of the church. Uh, This morning we're continuing on in our message series called Respect the Beard. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in just a moment. Uh, But I want to give you just kind of a little update. Found an encouraging uh, email that came to my inbox recently. And the guy says, hey, Pastor Ryan, I just wanted to drop you a quick note to pass on a greeting from Pastor Aaron Daly. He pastors with Redemption Church uh, and says this, I, I've been doing Uber for the last uh, past uh, couple months to help get familiar with Phoenix until my job starts on November 1st. I picked him and his wife up from Sky Harbor and we got around to discussing what he did for work. And he told me he pastored a congregation here in the valley I was kind of bragging about North Valley, and he told me I had made a good decision for a place of worship, and that made me feel good and confirmed that we had made the right choice. Thank you for having such a warm church family who has made us feel at home so quickly. We missed last week, and we'll miss this Sunday due to travel, but we'll be back to church soon. We love our small group that Steve and Priscilla Sutton host. Thank you so much. Isn't that cool? Can we celebrate that for a moment? Good job. Good job. Listen, every, every member has a responsibility here at this church to make sure that everybody feels welcome, uh, connected, and cared for. Uh, the church is like a gigantic big family, and this is the Lord's house, and so we want to welcome people in. And you guys are doing a good job for doing that. Even the Uber drivers are, are representing out in the valley. So that's pretty neat. Uh, we're excited about that. Hey, uh, I like to start with something that's a little fun. And I heard a joke uh, the other day that I want to share with you this morning. It was a church meeting and this very wealthy man rose to tell the rest of those that were present uh, about his Christian faith. He said, he announced to everybody, I'm a millionaire, he said, and he attributed his rich blessings to God working in his life. He said, I remember that the turning point in my faith, I had just earned my first dollar, and I went to that church meeting that night, and there was a missionary who told us about his work. I knew that I only had one dollar, and I could either give it all to the Lord's work or give nothing at all. So at that moment, I decided to give my whole dollar to God. Then he went on to say, I believe that God blessed this decision and that's why I'm a rich man today. When he had finished and moved towards his seat, there was this kind of awe and silence and he sat down and this little old lady sitting in the same pew leaned over and said to him, I dare you to do it again. (laughs) I dare you to do it again. It's easy to give a dollar, but to give it all, that when you have that much, it's harder to give. Actually, do you know research says that the more you give, the, less, the more you make, the less you tend to give. Uh, it's harder. Money has a powerful grip. This morning, what I want to do is I want to teach you about King Solomon and his wisdom. King Solomon is considered to be one of the world's wealthiest men uh, who ever lived. By some estimates, he may have been worth as much as $2 trillion. Yes, that's T as in trillion. Uh, So his wealth and wisdom would have surpassed all that of Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, and the like. 
Solomon was considered to be the wisest and the wealthiest man who ever lived. He sought, was sought out by people, rulers, world rulers, wisdom for understanding. These people were traveling to come see King Solomon. This idea, respect the beard, it's an ancient Hebrew idea that associated beards with wisdom. The beard signified the connection between the head and the body. And this idea is that if we have a respect, we have an ancient historical respect from the world's perhaps wealthiest man that ever lived. The beard it connects the two between the head and the, the heart and the body and the whole being. My hope is, is that we all grow into some level of reverence for what God's word has to say in the area of, of finances and uh, money. Solomon was a prolific writer, sharing his great wisdom with all who read it. He's credited for writing the biblical books such as Ecclesiastes, Psalms, and Proverbs. I believe that God wants you today to grow in your faith and finances and perhaps come to a place where you respect the beard. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I do pray that we come to a place where we look to your word to give us guidance, direction in all things. And when it comes to the subject of money and finances, we pray, God, that you would use us to bring honor and glory to you through our financial resources. And Lord, grant us favor to provide and enjoy all that you have made and that we can buy, that we can sell, that we can enjoy the things that you have created and use people to create in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs 3, 5 through 10, uh, perhaps one of the most familiar passages in the book of Proverbs is that 3, 5 section. But did you know that it actually connects to the concept of money and wealth? Let's jump into it. Solomon says this, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make what? Straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will, bring, it will be healing to your flesh, refreshment to your bones. And then here's the passage that oftentimes we cut out. We don't remember. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Uh, this has been a classically a passage that the prosperity gospel movement has used to, to signify that if you will become a believer, that God wants to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. And uh, oftentimes, and the, the reason why the prosperity gospel movement has such a root and in, influence in our culture is because everybody wants to achieve something in life. And uh, the other reason why it's taken, it's got such an influence in our world is that uh, there's, it's a half truth. Uh, and so what I want to do is talk to you about that, that truth. But the prosperity gospel kind of does an injustice because it doesn't tell you the whole story. Uh, prosperity gospel tells us that if we become a Christian and we really trust God, then we're going to get rich, healthy, wealthy, and wise. The truth of the matter is, is me and you, if we're honest, we probably know Christians that love Jesus, love his word, and are poor. The truth is, when you look at the Bible, you'll see, uh, you'll see very prosperous people in the Bible that are God-honoring, God-fearing people. 
Then you look a little further in the pages of Scripture and you see a, a tons of case studies and examples of people that are in poverty. Like guys like the Apostle Paul, uh, who had very little to nothing at the end of his life, or the disciples, who most of which died a martyr's death and were broke at the end of their life. So the Bible doesn't advocate a poverty theology that you got to be poor. The Bible doesn't advocate that you have to be rich to have favor with God. The Bible advocates a stewardship theology. That whether you're poor or whether you're rich, you honor God. And so you and I know, we know rich people that are good and godly. You and I probably know people that are uh, poor and good and godly. But at the same time, don't we know rich people that are wicked and evil? And don't we know people that are poor that are wicked and evil? The Bible tells us that it's this idea that we're going to look at. Proverbs provides principles for us to understand how to deal with faith and finances. And so what I want to do is I want to just give you a little snapshot and update. How's North Valley doing in the area of financial stewardship? Uh, the, if you've been around North Valley, you know that this church is only a se- about seven years old. September 23rd marked our seven-year anniversary. Maybe you didn't know this or not, but we were one of the only churches in the state of Arizona that started and within the first seven years went through three resource initiatives because of the growing congregation and the opportunities for development. We've moved five different times in seven years. We've pushed along. God's continued to incredibly provide through you, and we've made lots of sacrifice, sacrifices along the way, and now we're at our permanent place of worship. Uh, recently, we did a resource initiative called the Serve Like Jesus Resource Initiative. I want to show you a picture of the campus, and what that did is that sought to really improve the, the nine-acre campus that we own and that we operate on. So that's the, the bright-colored green section And in that resource initiative, what we wanted to do is we wanted to make improvements to our multi-purpose building up front. Let me show you a picture of that. The multi-purpose building is where we want to house uh, children and youth predominantly. Uh, One-third of this church is children and youth. And here's what happened. We launched that resource initiative. The money started coming in. We were excited. We were proud. We were in a godly sense. But then there was a problem. The problem is, is that a lot of folks had shifted their giving. So they said, well, we were given to the general fund. The general fund helps pay for the staff, helps pay for the, uh, the bills that we pay for around here to keep the lights on. Uh, and they shifted out of that general fund and then gave to the campus development. So the problem with that is, is it still creates a shortfall. And so what I want to do, just for a minute, is I want to just tell you, first of all, I'm very proud of where we're at. And I believe God's going to continue to honor and bless this church. However, for those of you that are new, you're getting kind of an inside look at kind of where North Valley's at right now. We've got to progress forward. We're moving forward. Next week, I'm in another meeting with the city uh, to help see if we can get these parking lots figured out and we can open up that building just as quick as possible. But I want to, I want to talk to you about the concern that I have concerning our general fund giving just for a moment. This is a report from 2018. Uh, One of our elders, uh, Andy Branch, ran this report, did extensive work, give a snapshot of where people are at at North Valley. There's 316 families that regularly attend uh, North Valley, at least in 2018. Out of that 316 families, 93 didn't give a single dollar to the church uh, in 2018. Not, Not one dollar. Um, Let me just say, if that's you, first of all, I love you, God loves you. However, 
that's not where you need to stay. The Bible says is wherever your money is, that's where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. And so my encouragement to you is if this isn't your home, which usually investing into something tells us where people's heart is, my suggestion would be in the 93 families that attend North Valley that hadn't given a single dollar is uh, a couple of things. One is maybe your heart's not here. And if it's not, like, go to another church because God could, God could help you to grow in another congregation and we can still celebrate and say, thank you, Jesus, we're so glad. Um, however, if you do love this church, then my encouragement is take that next step. Uh, invest and see how God's going to bless, bless that investment. Um, a lot of times, I get it. I, I, need, I know. Trusting God with finances is tough. These 93 households, though, uh, zero in 2018, seven gave it $1 to $10. I spend more on uh, that, 10 bucks, when I go through uh, the line at Starbucks with my, my family. I mean, Starbucks is expensive. Uh, so anyway, 75 families give $10 to $250, at least in 2018. 36 gave 250 to 1,000. Uh, 63 gave 1,000 to 5,000. Uh, 26 families gave 5,000 to 10,000. 13 families gave 10,000 to 25,000. Three families gave 25 to 50,000. Here's all, all we're learning is that we have room to grow. So let me just, you see the need, I hope, in a growing church, in a growing community. And I want to just tell you, you are, if you, if you have not given anything or very, very little, I just want to say this, you're actually normal. You're very normal for Phoenix. Did you know, according to Forbes magazine and Wallet Hub, Phoenix is ranked as the least generous city in the entire United States. So welcome to the club. The problem is, is that's not the club we're trying to develop. We're trying to develop an army of Christians who are faithful to make a great commitment to the great commission and the great commandments. Did you know as well, we live in the fastest growing county in the United States, Maricopa County. What do you think God thinks about that for his churches that are in Maricopa County? Hey church, you're in the fastest growing county in the United States. You know what? With great, Peter Parker says, with great power comes great what? responsibility. You, we've got a great responsibility. We live in the fastest growing county in the United States. It's the least generous city in the United States. And it's also, it's one of the least biblical literate cities in the country. Now, if I would have told you that San Francisco is one of the least biblically literate cities, you'd probably say, yeah, I know that. I'd figure that. The land of fruits and nuts. Yes. Of course they don't love the Bible. But what if I told you we're right there beside San Francisco? That's where Phoenix is at. We're right beside San Francisco. Phoenix. So you have a combination, the fastest growing county in the United States, the least biblical uh, literate city in the country, and one of the least generous or the least generous city in the United States, according to Forbes and Wallet Hub. That makes a tremendous problem. So here's what I want to do. I just want to perhaps uh, provoke your motivation. I want you to grasp for a minute how, why it's important to listen to what I'm about to teach you through the Proverbs. Number one, this is in, in your notes. 
I believe that if you learn how to handle money, it'll help you with meaningful achievements in all of your life. Let me say that again. I believe that if you learn how to handle money according to the Bible, it's going to help you accomplish meaningful achievements in your life. Every single one of you are born to achieve something. God made you to do something. You and I have this innate desire, I want to accomplish, I want to achieve. And I'm telling you that if you learn how to manage resources in a godly and biblical way, I'm telling you, your likelihood, your probability is statistically enormous to see incredible achievement in your life if you do it Solomon's way. Secondly, I want to help you be motivated to understand if you apply these truths to Scripture, you're going to find great fulfillment. We all want to be happy. Nobody wakes up and say, I want to be depressed today. You wake up and you, Lord, I want to be happy. Start quoting scriptures like this. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I believe that if you apply these truths to your life, you're going to be better fulfilled. And last, I want to help you be motivated that are a sign of maturity in your faith, growing in your faith. There's three big indicators. One is giving time and serving. So when you're serving, that's a sign You're not self-focused, you're others-focused, that's a mark of your maturity. Giving your Christian witness, like our Uber driver, talking about his faith, talking about his church, talking about what Jesus is doing, or giving last your finances and your resources is a mark of maturity. So let's jump into what the scripture can teach us. Let's apply this to our lives. Number one, when you apply this to your life, the King Solomon gives us three commands and three promises. Let's jump into those. Uh, Command number one and promise number one is depend on God and he'll give you direction. If you depend on God, the Bible says is that he's going to give you directions. Look what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make what? Straight your paths. Do you know what it means? What jumps out to me in the passage is two words. Trust and lean not. To trust is to kind of buy in and depend. You've, got a, you've seen perhaps those things before where somebody does a trust fall for a team building exercise. Somebody stands up and there's a group of people all locked arms together and the person has to kind of fall over and they are caught and everybody's terrified. Or maybe you've been rappelling before and you're about to go off a, a cliff and you're terrified. Ah! Who's the rope going to hold me? Yes, that rope could hold a car. You're not the weight of a car. But so there's a trust factor that goes on there. And so in lean not, this idea is that you can't lean. If you're tired, you lean on something. And so what Solomon's saying is you can't lean on your own understanding. When it comes to finances, so many of us will lean on our understanding, not God's understanding. But when we have a sovereign picture of who God is, we say, my ways are not like your ways, Lord. I'm going to lean not on my understanding, but I'm going to lean on your understanding. What's God's understanding? God owns everything. He is the Lord over uh, uh, heaven and earth and all that is within it, declares the Lord. And he promises that he's going to 
if we acknowledge him, he'll make straight our paths. Did you know that God wants to make that crooked path straight in your life, not just in the area of challenges and relational conflicts, but in your finances as well. God wants to move out obstacles from you as you depend on him. God wants to make smooth that rough road. And what I'm about to teach you, he's going to help do that as we seek to apply that. I want to tell you a testimony of a lady in our church that was challenged to trust God. She wrote me this last year when I taught a message on tithing. She said, good morning, Pastor Ryan. Have I got a tithing story for you? My daughter and I attended the church on Sunday and you spoke about tithing. I do give, but I have not been giving 10% like a tithe. I get nervous that my monthly income will not last through the month. See, my daughter is an adult and she has disabilities and is dependent on me. I'm a single parent. However, your tithing message really struck me and I need to, listen to this, trust God. Every time I read something like this, especially when you get a story like this, you're like, oh, Lord Jesus, please bless him. Please bless him. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm reading the email frantically. So I tithe, she said, of the half of the 10% that Sunday and the other I'll be given this Sunday. Anyway, here's the story. When I get to my mail, I throw away the obvious junk mail, set it aside and set aside the mail that I need to look through right away. I'm not sure mail is is the junk something, and I need to save that and look at it as another pile. I had a pile of not sure mail that was getting pretty high, though. So yesterday, I began to go through it, and I opened the envelope from my health insurance company, and inside was a check for $437, a reimbursement, an overpayment for some medication. I was blown away. The story isn't over. This morning, I began again to go through the not sure mail. As I had finished yesterday, I had purchased a raffle ticket six weeks ago and forgot about it. There was an envelope from the raffle, and I thought it was a, maybe like a thank you note for purchasing a ticket because I never win anything. But inside the envelope was a check for $5,000. Holy moly, she says. I couldn't believe it. Then she goes on to say, it's very difficult for me to trust God, Pastor Ryan. All my life has been a main struggle for me in my relationship with God. I'm still skeptical. Like, why me, God? Giving me the money, but it just blew me away. I'm sincerely grateful and thankful to God for these checks. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that cool? What I want to challenge you to do is live a life of faith And when God blesses you, you walk humbly. We got to wake up every day, depend on the Lord, and then say, Lord, make me humble. Second thing that the, we get another command and another promise. King Solomon says this, is that we're to be humble and obey God and experience healing. Verse seven says, be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, turn away from evil. That means that to to be not wise in your own eyes means don't be self-sufficient. Stop trying to do your whole life your way. When it comes to your finances, lean not on your own understanding. Don't try to be wise in your own eyes. Try to acquire God's view, God's perspective on everything. Be humble. To be humble for me means I have to acknowledge Ryan is limited in knowledge. God is infinitely wise. My ways are not like God's ways all the time. 
Ryan is impatient. God is forever patient. Ryan has a limited capacity. God has an unending capacity to love and to care for people. God is all-powerful. I'm limited in my power. I am insufficient to do the things that I need to do and to do it right all the time. God is completely sufficient. And so I choose a life walking in humility. And what does that do? That helps me to depend on God, get his promise for direction, and then to experience healing. To be humble is to trust God. You can humble yourself constantly in the area of giving. When you're giving, you're trusting. God is worthy of our gifts. When you give, it's a gift to the Lord, not to just an institution. Although his beloved institution is the church, and he expresses his glory primarily through the church, Humbly obey God and experience his healing. Healing from what? Maybe a greedy heart. The greatest antidote to greed is to generosity. The greatest antidote to materialism is through giving. So we can grow in that and there can be healing for us. Number three, I would challenge you. Another command with a great promise. And this is the one perhaps you love the most. The Bible says that if we honor the Lord with the tithe and trust him, We can trust him to provide. That was illustrated in the story I told you about with a mom, single mom with an adult daughter with disabilities. Bible says, honor the Lord with your wealth. That means your finances. That means your income. It means everything you have. And then the first fruits of your produce, that would be your business. That would be what God's provided through your business. With your produce, that first fruits is the idea that it's first. And tithing is the concept that it's 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 right off the top. People always ask me, is it net or is it uh, gross income? I always ask them, well, what do you want God to bless the most, the net or the gross? Uh, So you, I'll leave that with you. You can figure that out. But a tithe is ten percent, and the Bible. tells us that we can, if we honor the Lord with a tithe, we can trust that he will provide. Look at verse 10. Solomon says, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. I want to tell you a story of uh, my life and how tithing had transformed my life. Story number one, I was working for the Louise Palau Association in Little Rock, Arkansas. I was about 20 three years old. I just married my beautiful wife, Leslie. I had a problem of greediness. I had a problem with resentment because I was not making enough money at the church. I was working full time. Um, I was in college. I was broke. I would blow leaves and pick up dog doo-doo on the weekend. It's not fun. And then I would deliver firewood. And when the people had big dogs and they wanted me to put the firewood in the backyard, I did not like doing that. I'm like, are we sure we can't put the firewood on your front porch? You got a big dog back there. And I, it's like a landmine back there. I was resentful. And I was raising money for the Louis Palau Association. And my wife said to me, that's great, Ryan. You're raising all this money for the Louis Palau team. This big evangelistic outreach, this crusade. That's awesome. How much money are you putting in? I was convicted. And I said, I'm not putting anything in. I'm donating my time. And she goes, oh, you think God likes that? I was like, ouch, holy sanctification is what it was. Then she says to me, uh, well, you should do something. We should do something. Lead challenges me to lead. 
So I say, okay, we're going to tithe. We're going to start tithing. And we're going to give money to this above and beyond to, to the Luis Palau team. And we're going to do that. The next day I went out, we had a major shortfall. We weren't, I wasn't raising the funds that needed to be raised for the outreach. And then all of the money came in and more the very next day for that team. God loves kingdom projects and he needs people to live and operate with kingdom principles and values in their life. And beautiful story was we hosted the city, uh, the, the festival for youth. We had 500 young people make a decision for Jesus Christ as a result of that event. Five years later, Luis Palau brought the whole festival into uh, the Little Rock area. It was the largest outreach ever recorded in Arkansas history. There was like, I forget, a million plus people that gathered, 100 plus thousand people made a decision for Christ. And I sat on the riverbanks of the Arkansas River and I put my arm around my wife and I watched this festival happen and I said, thank you for challenging me. Isn't that sweet? I, I want to tell you, God will bless, bless a, a big project and he can do pretty awesome things. Honoring the Lord with our wealth, we've got to do that. So I'm going to have Joshua come up and I want to show you an illustration that I think is going to be helpful for you. Um, some of you might be standing here today and you say, hey, Pastor Ryan, that's a really cool uh, talk you gave there. You know, a brag on yourself, why don't you? Uh, I'm just trying to be real with you and tell you that it's hard for anybody to trust God in the area of finances. I will tell you that it's incredibly important, you're not alone, that you, you do trust God with your finances and your resources. And the cool thing is, is you're going to see him provide in extraordinary ways. Today, we have here what I'm going to call the pragmatic Pete. Pete says, hey, Pastor Ryan, great message, really good, but I can't do it. I, I need 100% of all my income. But see, see, Pastor Ryan, I got, um, I got bills. I've got a goal. I got a mortgage. I've got, I mean, I'm strapped. So I need 100% of my income to take care of me, my family, my bills, my house. My, I'm not even getting to retirement right now, but I'm trying to get through. There's no way. I can't give. I can't give 10%. The guy overhears the conversation. I'm going to call him Charles. Charles says, oh, hey, Pete. I, uh, I hear that you were, you're saying you kind of like, you know, you like the message, but you just don't think it makes sense. I understand. I was like that too. But see, I've decided to trust God, and I'm going to live on 90% of my income. And actually, hey, Pete, by the way, I've got the same goals you do. I've got actually the same family size you do. And I've got to get to A to B too. I really do. And uh, we're sitting in the same church. And so uh, uh, you've got to figure out how to trust God. And Pete says to Charles, hey, uh, Charles, you're crazy. You're crazy because money doesn't grow on trees. And your kids are going to get sick or the transmission is going to go out in the car. And, or, or, or something could happen. We could have a financial downturn and you're not going to have enough money. So, uh, Charles, you're crazy. And then Charles turns around to Pete and says, no, Pete, you're crazy. You're crazy because you trust God with your finance. You trust God with your marriage. You trust God with your problems. You trust God with your kids. But you don't trust God with your finances. And so they're having a crazy argument. And Pete's calling Charles crazy. Charles is calling Pete crazy. And then Charles says to Pete, you know what, Pete, I understand. But see, the cool thing that you don't know about 
is God doesn't just move me from A to B when I trust him and I live on 90%. I kid you not, Pete, he moves me to a whole new level in life and it's extraordinary provision. I didn't even see coming. And I love living a life of faith and seeing how God can provide in extraordinary ways. And I'm just telling you, Pete, if you learn to trust God, you'll move from A to B, and you'll even see at times in your life, he's going to move you to C. And then Pete walks away and says, wow, maybe that's what I ought to do. So you got to ask yourself this question, which crazy are you going to be? You're going to be crazy Pete or crazy Charles? Because you can only be one or the other. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to just take your next step. Wherever that is, wherever you're at, we looked at all those, those families that are being a part of the church right now. W- would you take your next step? Maybe right now you would say, oh, I feel guilty. I've literally been given nothing. I've been being like the old Pastor Ryan, just donating my time. I've been given nothing. Maybe I'm, you're going to move from nothing to say, I'm going to start giving something. Because my heart's here. I want to invest into this future of this church and make a great impact. Move from nothing to something. And maybe you just start, start dipping into, you know what? I want to start trusting God just a little bit more. I've never even ran the numbers before and see what kind of percentage I, I contribute towards the church. But maybe for those of you that are in the something category, maybe you would say, you know what? Enough is enough. I want to do that thing called the tithe. In fact, we have this tithe challenge. You can look on our website. Every year when we introduce it, people uh, participate at some level and they see God provide in extraordinary ways. You move from something to giving significantly. Tithing is different than giving. Giving is just giving something. Tithing is where you're doing 10% and it's representative of, of the whole. And you really got to learn how to live like crazy Charles. And people will tell you, even in your own household, you are crazy. My wife started telling me I was crazy because I wanted to be like Pete. I need 100%. And she said, stop it. Be like a crazy Charles and start trusting God. So you move from nothing, perhaps, to something or something to significantly. And for those of you that, and I, this is really cool. Every time I teach on giving and tithing, here's what happens. People email me that are in this category. They're giving sacrificially. They give far above the... The, the 10%. And they say, hey, Pastor Ryan, I just want to say thank you for motivating, encouraging, being faithful to teach the scriptures, not afraid to teach the scripture, because I love seeing our church give. And I pray they all move even past the tithe and give above and beyond towards what's called grace giving. And so what I want to do is I just want to challenge you to take your next step. Wherever that is, if you're new here and you're not sure if this is your home, don't worry about giving a thing. We actually have gifts for you. But if you love this church, then you're ready to go to the next level in your faith. You take your next step. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to serve as an ambassador of Jesus Christ on behalf of our High King of Heaven and the church And I just pray, God, for the resources to come in with an abundance and multiply these gifts that we're about to receive in order to further the great commandments and the great commission in one of the greatest cities in North America. Lord, I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to teach your word and to serve as an ambassador for you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hey, I want to tell you a story. We're going to receive our offering in just a moment. Uh, but here's how your offering is making a difference. Kevin and Lindsay Soderlin have committed to raise their children to know the Lord from the very beginning. They have two boys, Austin, who's six years old, and Carson. And uh, this is a representation of about a third of our church. Uh, the national average for uh, children and youth involved in a church is about 20-something percent. Our church has 33% of our church is made up of children and youth. We have a lot of young kids and a lot of families. That's why we're opening up that new space. For Austin, he just recently made a decision. He prayed to receive Christ, and he said he wanted a new heart. And his parents reported that he understands what it means for Jesus to forgive him and for his sins and to start a new life with Jesus Christ. His parents shared with me about the impact North Valley Kids has had on him. Uh, Lindsay said this, the lessons that he hears each week at North Valley Kids and the reinforcement of what he's learned from us and the grandparents, he's come to a decision and, and agreed and is excited to be baptized. So she went on to say, we know it takes a whole village to raise our kids to know the Lord. And all of these sources are key to helping us do that. We love North Valley Kids team for their willingness to give of their time and their effort to teach the kids to know Jesus. And these little munchkins are always hearing what we have to say, even if it doesn't seem like it. I want to encourage you and let you know that when you're giving, you're helping build up the next generation for Jesus Christ. Thank you for doing that. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this opportunity in our offering. We pray again for it to be multiplied. But Lord, I also pray for the families here today. Uh, maybe it's not decision today to move towards percentage giving or tithing. Maybe it's tomorrow. Uh, maybe it's next week. I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you give them wisdom on what to do? I pray to be faithful to the teaching of your word and pray, God, that you would accomplish incredible results through our obedience. I pray for blessing and favor on all the families that choose to tithe. I pray that their businesses expound and grow and thrive in their jobs and their marketplace and give them great influence and great favor as they seek to be obedient to you for your glory and for their good. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.